Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Happy meteorological spring, which is a very exciting thing. It's going to be one of the topics we're talking about today. So I'm talking about meteorological spring as well as the polar vortex. So this is a term that's been used in meteorology for years, but has really taken on popularity in the last six or seven years. So the polar vortex and what is it, what it's all about, and all those fun things. If you're enjoying the podcast, hey, I can't ask you enough. Please give us a positive review at Obsessed with the Weather. Give us some positive feedback. Rate this thing a five or better. I don't think you can get better than five, but so rate this thing a five. Anything you can do to help try to get some drive a little bit more traffic to the podcast would be great. If you've been listening right along, thank you so much. If you're brand new to Obsessed with the Weather, welcome. I'm very happy to have you here. And this is episode number 22 of Obsessed with the Weather. We're talking polar vortex and meteorological spring. Everywhere he goes, people want to know what's the weather, so he tells them. He's obsessed with the weather, any type of weather, he's obsessed. Hi again, and welcome to the Obsessed with the Weather podcast. I'm your host, Steve McGuire. This podcast is coming to you from the home of some of the world's most diverse weather, Situate, Massachusetts. A reminder to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you listen to the podcast on, and definitely visit obsessedwiththeweather.com to find out more about today's episode and some other information about the weather. So I have a great episode for you today as I'm talking all about what is the polar vortex as well as meteorological spring versus astronomical spring. But however, let us begin with our weather quiz, which is how I start every week. And the weather quiz today is simply this. As we're talking about the polar vortex, I thought this would be a great question. What is the coldest temperature ever recorded in United States history? What is it? Where was it? And what was uh, the actual temperature? So uh, looking for, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? I asked the same question twice. So let's try that again. So what's the coldest temperature ever recorded? Where and when did that happen is what I was trying to say there. So what's the temperature where did it happen and when did it happen? Coldest temperature in U.S. history. And we'll get to the answer to that question, as always, toward the very end of the podcast. So let's begin today talking about the polar vortex. This was a very fitting topic for this week as the polar vortex finally broke up. And we have a major pattern change happening here the first week of March in 2021 here, in particularly in the United States. So... I'll read to you now again. Why would you listen to a podcast when you can just Google this stuff and just read it on your own? Great question. So I'm going to try to add a little bit of insight as to why uh, these things happen and what they're all about. So hopefully you'll enjoy my take on them. So the polar vortex, as best defined by the National Weather Service, I'll read it and then I'll tell you a little bit about what we're talking about and give a good example of it. So the polar vertex is a large area of low pressure and cold air. So low pressure typically meaning air that rises and cold air. It surrounds both of Earth's poles. It always exists near the poles, 
but it gets weaker in the summer and it gets stronger in the winter. Therefore, it's much more influential during the wintertime. The term vortex refers to the counterclockwise flow of air that helps keep the colder air, air near the poles. Many times during the winter in the northern hemisphere, the polar, which has happened this, like the month of February, was a great example of this. So many times what will happen during the winter in the northern hemisphere is the polar vortex will expand and it'll send its cold air southward with the jet stream. This occurs fairly regularly during wintertime and is often associated with large outbreaks of Arctic air in the United States. So that's pretty much what the polar vortex is. There's a bunch of things it's not, um, and it's not new. The term polar vortex has been around a long time, but it's been popular. Um, it's not a feature that exists on the Earth's surface, so it's only processed um, tens of thousands of feet in the atmosphere. And um, it is usually typically extremely cold air. And that, you know, that leads me to the point where if you're in an area and meteorologists say, oh, we're getting an Arctic air mass or an Arctic air front, um, that's an actual noun. It's not a verb. I mean, yeah, it just, Arctic describes the air as cold. But when you, they say there's going to be an Arctic air mass, that's actually a thing. So an Arctic air mass is actually a noun just like a maritime polar air mass is or a tropical uh, maritime polar um, place or sorry, a, a tropical maritime air mass is called. So you got to realize that Arctic air is an actual thing. So what's some examples of this? So in the eastern part of the United States today, which is um, recording on March 2nd, but you're potentially listening on March 3rd as this episode drops, we had a really cold night last night. We had a lot of wind here in southern New England, multiple wind gusts over 50 miles an hour. We got down to 14 degrees overnight, and that was part of the polar vortex because the polar vortex shifted a little bit further east, but it had been banked over the central part of the United States for a whole bunch of days. So let me give you some data of the impact of the polar vortex, okay? So... One of my favorite places to check on cold air masses in the United States is a place called International Falls, Minnesota. So the polar vortex, the, the term they use is it sort of broke off or expanded, and it moved further south into the central part of the United States. And the day it really moved down there was on Friday, February 5th. And from Friday, February 5th, all the way up to and including Saturday, February 20th, the polar vortex impacted that entire region of the country. Let me read for you some back-to-back-to-back, multiple low temperatures in that area, okay? So the heart of it happened the week of, uh, looks like it ran for about two weeks, from February 7th to February 14th. International Falls, Minnesota, February 7th, low temperature, negative 29 degrees Fahrenheit. Monday the 8th, negative 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Tuesday the 9th, got up to a balmy negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Wednesday, negative 29 degrees. 
Thursday, the 11th of February, low temperature, negative 36. Friday, negative 37. Saturday, negative 41 degrees Fahrenheit. How unbelievable is this? The next week, Sunday, negative 35. Monday, negative 37. Tuesday, negative 35. Wednesday, negative 28. And then three consecutive days of negative 19, negative 19, and negative 14. And then finally, the polar vortex broke out on the 21st of February, and they had a low temperature of 7 degrees and a balmy high temperature of 35. So that's how much the vortex can be in place in an area. So look at, that's unbelievable. That is, it's almost two full weeks of high temperatures below zero, but those unbelievably extreme low temperatures. So the polar vortex is a real thing. It's more severe in some years. It some years it doesn't even, like last winter is a good example here in uh, North America, it did not really impact our weather whatsoever. And here in New England, we get clips of the polar vortex, but it really doesn't impact us for extended long periods of time. So that's what the polar vortex is. It's Again, it's not a new thing, but it's definitely something that has a huge amount of impact on our weather, particularly in North America during the winter. So that's kind of neat. So the next thing and next kind of event that has occurred that I thought was worthy of talking about in today's podcast is the beginning of meteorological spring. So that's exciting as we sort of turn the corner a little bit and hopefully start ushering in some warmer temperatures and some warmer air. So let's talk a little bit about that. So March 1st was the beginning of meteorological spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. So so what is that? A lot of people say, well, hey, hold on a second. I thought spring begins on March 20th. Well, it does, but we basically have two springs. And so March 1st is the unofficial meteorological beginning of spring based on the annual temperatures And the official astronomical start of spring begins on Saturday the 20th at 5.37 a.m. So the difference, the short answer is this. So meteorological spring is based on the annual temperature cycle, and astronomical spring is based on the position of the Earth in relationship to the sun. So for example, right, let's, you know, if you break it down kind of financial quarters, to a certain extent, weather has its own quarters. So we begin spring here in North, here in the North uh, Northern Hemisphere and in North America. So spring is March, April, and May. And if you really think about it, that's the time. It, we're kind of transitioning from winter, particularly in the northern tier here. It starts to feel warmer as we move toward the end of May. Summer is those prime time summer months everybody thinks about. School calendar-ish, right? June, July, and August. And then fall is September, October, November, and meteorological winter is December, January, and February. So those are all kind of based on temperatures as you look at the big difference between the two. Astronomical spring, which is the lineup of the Earth uh, at the equator with the sun, begins, like we said, at 5.37 a.m. on March 20th. There's also a cool thing I wanted to add to this. So happy meteorological spring, everybody. So I wanted to, another thing I wanted to add to this piece is something called seasonal lag, which you may or may not have ever heard of. I teach this a lot 
in my meteorology classes. So seasonal lag is simply this. Seasonal lag is the four to six week period that it takes each season, and I'm using air quotes here, it takes each season to quote unquote kick in. So here's what I mean. So uh, golfers, you know the term lag. If you're going to lag putt, you're going to hit a putt that's, if it's a really far away putt, it's a putt that's going to come up relatively close to the hole and get you close to that. So seasonal lag is kind of like that. So each season begins astronomically on a certain date, but it really doesn't begin to feel like that season until four to six weeks out. That's the, it's basically the seasonal delay of what it feels like. So let's use spring as an example. So if you were going to say to somebody, hey, does March 20th feel like spring in the north in North America and usually particularly the northern part of North America very rarely does it ever feel like spring but let's go out 6 weeks from March 20th let's go to April 20th and then let's go to like the first week of May maybe May 5th or 6th if you ask somebody hey does it feel like spring on May 5th or 6th and yeah it usually does uh let's use the summer example so the first day of summer astronomically is June 20th and does it feel like summer on June 20th? Yeah, it definitely does. Like it's much warmer. But if you go out six weeks from that date on, say, August 5th or 6th, six weeks later, does it feel like summer in North America at the beginning of August? It sure does. So it basically takes about six weeks or so, four to six weeks for every season to kind of kick in and to feel exactly what that's like. So when you hear people saying, hey, happy spring. I'm still kind of a traditionalist. I stick to the astronomical ones. I like to celebrate spring. When I was student teaching way back in the day, I actually, this is a great story. I took a group of fifth grade students. I actually coordinated the whole fifth grade at the Holderness Central School up in New Hampshire where I was student teaching. And I brought all the kids outside and we counted down and from 10 and we to celebrate the first day of spring, like literally the second it started, we, and it was like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And as soon as we counted one and started cheering, it started to snow. So it was couldn't have been more fitting for a New Hampshire spring, which was awesome. So, so there you have it. That's the polar vortex, what that's all about, and all the fanfare that goes with it, as well as meteorological versus astronomical spring. So uh, let's get to the answer to our quiz question. So the quiz question was simply this. What is the coldest air temperature ever recorded in United States history? Where did that happen and when did that happen? So here you go. Hopefully, as I've said, you can easily Google all this stuff, but what's the point, right? All right. So the air temperature, coldest temperature ever recorded is negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit, negative eight zero. That was on January 23rd, 1971. Holy cow. Let's do that math. That is 50 years ago. We still, you know, we talked about all how much, how cold the planet is in some cases and the polar vortex and all this stuff. That record is held for 50 years, which is amazing. And it was in a place called Prospect Camp Creek in Alaska, and it was right along the Alaskan pipeline. So... Pretty awesome and obviously really cold. If you don't like the cold, that is not where you want to be. So thanks for joining me this week. A reminder that Obsessed with the Weather is brought to you by Birding Situate. 
If you're looking for an awesome outdoor, socially distant, and fun activity to get you through the wintertime blues, how about signing up for this Sunday? It's our last class that we offer as a one-day trip. Me and my co-leader, Liam Norton, will be, re- will be leading this wintertime trip around the south shore of Massachusetts looking for sea ducks and other amazing migrating birds. This is it. You can sign up today for our last trip on March 7th. Sign-ups are also open for our six-part springtime birding class series beginning in April of 2021. To learn more and to visit and sign up today, go to birdingsituate.com. That's B-I-R-D-I-N-G-S-C-I-T-U-A-T-E.com, birdingsituate.com to find out more. Again, and you can find out more about today's show and any upcoming episodes by visiting obsessedwiththeweather.com. Be sure to subscribe again on iTunes, Spotify, hit up that positive review. And again, happy meteorological spring. I hope you have an awesome week.